0: There's a garden where Jesus is waiting, there's a place that is wondrously fair, for it glows with the light of his presence, tis the beautiful garden of prayer. There my Savior awaits as he opens the gates to the beautiful garden of prayer. <laughs> i mm-hmm. Tosh their seeds.
1: All right. Thank you, Brother Chuck. I appreciate that. Titus chapter 2. If you have a Bible with you this morning, Titus chapter number 2. And again, I commend you for being in church this morning. What a tremendous uh, crowd this is. And uh, I trust that uh, you've been blessed and will be blessed uh, as we continue on with the service. Titus chapter number 2. Titus chapter number 2. And we'll read... Uh, several verses beginning in verse number 11, Titus chapter number 2. Of course, Titus is tucked away uh, toward the end of your New Testament, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus chapter number 2. And let's stand please together for the reading of the Word of God, Titus chapter 2 and verse number 11. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared, unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort And rebuke with all authority, let no man despise thee. I want to direct your attention back to verse number uh, 13 as our text, Looking for that blessed hope. I want to talk to you this morning on that subject, the blessed hope. The blessed hope. And let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. I pray that you would help us in these next few moments as we set aside all the things that would be a distraction to us. Father, we come to the most important time of the service this morning, thank you for the singing and how it has prepared our hearts, even for this moment. I pray that you'd help us uh, to to still ourselves and to uh, to to listen intently to what your word says to us this morning. I pray that you'd uh, provoke us. I pray that you'd encourage us. I pray that you'd comfort our hearts as we talk about this very very important subject of the blessed hope. And I ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. We live in a world that is deficient in hope. A world that's deficient in hope. You know, everybody seems to be clamoring for peace and clamoring for hope and clamoring for peace of mind. And a lot of people talk about it and everyone craves it. Uh, And many people seek after things that they think will give them hope. Uh, last week we were on the trip uh, with our young people up in Chicago, over in Chicago I should say, and, and just uh, uh, 10 million people in that great metropolitan area. And, and you look over here in this, uh, uh, this tri-county area that, in which we live, Oakland County and, and, uh, and Wayne County and Macomb County, just the, the, the just huge population that's here in the greater Detroit area, and we see that there are so many people who are looking and craving for hope. They're, they're desiring it. They're longing for it. And, and some are longing for it to the point of trying to find it in the wrong things, the wrong people. Uh, some folks look at, uh, they, they look for hope in a bottle. They look for hope in an alcohol bottle. Or perhaps they'll look for hope in a a pill bottle. Or perhaps they'll look for hope in some kind of illicit relationship or or immorality or drugs or or whatever the case may be. Some wrap themselves in some religious experience or wrap themselves or they're looking for uh, some kind of thing to give them the hope that they so desperately crave. And yet, hope for many people is very fleeting, It, it seems to run away from them. A lot of people are what we would call or they would call themselves as being hopeless but to the child of God there is legitimate hope if you're here this morning and you're saved I've got good news for you (laughs) hope is what Christianity is all about and the Bible refers to this event that has yet to come and God refers to it here in Titus chapter 2 as the quote-unquote blessed hope The blessed hope. Let me read for you that verse 13 again of Titus chapter 2. Looking for that blessed hope, notice what it says, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto Himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Hey, notice what He said. The blessed hope is the glorious appearing of the great God. And our Savior, Jesus Christ, the blessed hope. Hey, I'm here to encourage all of us this morning. I'm here to help us all this morning. I'm here to share the word of God with you about this subject of the blessed hope. And the blessed hope will do a lot of things for us, okay? But I want to, first of all, uh, the, the premise of the message is this, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. Now, a lot of people scoff at that. The Bible says that in the last days, scoffers would come. We'll read about that passage here in just a few moments, <clears throat> but the Bible talks about people who would say, "You know, you've been talking about that for centuries. You Bible believers, you Christians, you you Bible thumpers, so to speak. You've been talking about the blessed hope and the second coming of Christ and the rapture for so many centuries and so many years. That's just that's just fable. That's just science fiction. That's just uh, that's very very far fetched. Uh, but uh, but you, uh, you 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 Bible believers, you, just, you guys just go about your business there and believe what." But you want to? Hey, it doesn't matter what they say, it's a fact. It's going to happen. Last, uh, uh, last uh, week we were at the planetarium there in downtown Chicago and as part of the trip and uh, of course when you go to any planetarium for, for the most part uh, there's, there's sometimes they'll try to uh, they'll try to lean toward the evolutionary tendencies and so forth and talk about the earth being billions and billions and billions of years old and it came about as some kind of uh, 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 collaboration of comic dust and that which created some kind of a big explosion and from that big explosion of, of chaos came this orderly universe in which we live doesn't make any sense to any thinking person whatsoever but, uh, but anyway, they try, to, they try to cram that stuff down your throat and, and have been uh, for, for decades now in our public education system in this country. And, uh, but toward the end of the, the, uh, the show there in the planetarium, they talked about the fact that the Earth, 92 or 93 million miles away from the sun, and if it was just a little bit closer, everything would burn up. And if it was just a little bit further away from the sun, everything would freeze, just like that. And I thought, hmm, and it just so happened to happen that way. And all of that just just happened by circumstance. That's crazy. That's crazy. But that's the same crowd that looks at us who believe in the veracity and the validity and the truth of the word of God and call us a bunch of nutcases. (laughs) For believing that, yes, Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, was buried, rose again after three days. And that same Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. To receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Hey, it's the blessed hope. It's the hope that we have <coughs> as God's people. Hey, it's not a fairy tale. It's not, <coughs> excuse me, it's not science fiction. It's not a myth. <coughs> excuse me, sorry about that. Got a little, it's the cub's fault, amen. And uh, it's, <coughs> it's, not a, it's not a myth of someone's imagination. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. The Bible tells us that there will be scoffers who make a mockery about this doctrine in 2 Peter chapter 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the the beginning of creation. Hey, it doesn't matter what they say. Hey, we have to uh, ground our belief in the word of God. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Hey, can I tell you something? This is not the message per se, but everybody believes in something. Everybody has faith in something or somebody. Some people choose to put their faith in themselves. Uh, No, thank you. I'll, I'll put my faith in God. Thank you very much. Some people uh, uh, put their faith in their own feelings. No, thank you. I'll put my faith in the inerrancy and in the accuracy of the word of God. Hey, that's what I'm going to build my faith upon. You've got to put your faith in something or somebody. Hey, why don't we lean on the everlasting arms? I want you to see several things this morning about this truth of the second coming of Christ or the blessed hope that we all have. Hey, if you're saved here this morning, uh, I don't care how bad things are, are for you right now. I don't care how bad a week you may have had. I don't care what kind of bad report you may have gotten from the doctors. Hey, the blessed hope tells us there is hope. The blessed hope tells us, hey, this is, this is as bad as it can get. Hey, I'm, my, my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. I was preparing the message and... And 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 uh, thinking about the message yesterday, and got a phone call, and I, I hope that you'll pray. My my brother-in-law, uh, Brock King, his brother passed away unexpectedly yesterday, forty-one years of age. Forty-one years of age, massive heart attack, and just went out to eternity just like that. And you know, as I thought about that, and boy, I was—it's one of those deals where it just kind of takes you back and sets you back on your heels a little bit. And, and uh, but I was, I, my mind went back to the message and uh, of this morning, and I thought about, man, what a hope. What a hope. The blessed hope. Hey, it's the hope that comforts us in our trials. It's the hope that that, that helps us when we're bereaved. It's the hope that helps us when we're hurting. It's the hope that that we look ahead to. Hey, I'm simply saying, child of God, take heart. There's a blessed hope. There's a blessed hope. I want you to see, first of all, it is a sure event. It is a sure event. The next great event on God's prophetic calendar is the rapture of his church. I said again, the, the next great event on God's calendar, God's timetable, is the rapture of the church. Now, the word rapture does not appear in your Bible, but the principle is there. The teaching is obviously there. Many, many times in the New Testament, Jesus refers to it or, the, or the, uh, the Apostle Paul in his writings inspired by the Holy Spirit refers to it. In fact, it's even referenced some, sometimes uh, by way of typology in the Old Testament. But throughout the scriptures, we read about the truth of the second coming or the rapture of the church Notice verse 18. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. You know, as I thought about that passage yesterday, I'll be honest with you, I've I've been in funeral homes and I've stood by families who've lost loved ones and and I've often thought to myself, what do you say? What do you say? And really... Your presence in a time like that, you know, many times we'll gather at a funeral home and to try to be an encouragement to a brother or sister in Christ who's lost a loved one. Many times it's not what you say, it's your presence there. Many of you could attest to that. You've, you've been through that valley of the shadow of death with a loved one that's near and dear to your heart. And, and as, as, you, as you stand there and as you mourn and you grieve, really it's just the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ that makes all the difference in the world in a time like that. But notice what he said here. He said, wherefore comfort." one another's with these words what words the words that talk about the blessed hope Amen. the words that talk about one day there's going to come a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of god and the dead in christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the lord in the air and so shall we ever meet with the lord hey that's comforting to me Indeed. this isn't the end So many people don't have hope because they look at this life as all there is to it. And the Apostle Paul said, if there be no no resurrection, hey, I have all men are most miserable. He said, one day I'm going to be resurrected. Why? Because Jesus rose again from the dead. And as children of God, as saved people, as as folks who know Christ as our Savior, we have that comfort of the blessed hope. The The resurrection of Christ, yes, but the fact that he lives, we live also that's pretty plain stuff. It's comforting uh, to know that, uh, that that God promised this blessed hope—the rapture. I think about brother. I think about the Sokowski family. And just uh, about six months ago now, just a few months ago, uh, as we, uh, we we talked about this, and uh, thank you, brother Bill, <clears throat> we talked about the uh, uh, the homegoing of brother Sukowski, and and what a traumatic thing that was for our not just his family but our church family. I mean, obviously for Robin and the children, and and uh, and I've observed them for now for the last six months, and and just the grace that God has given them since brother John went to heaven. It's amazing how that God has sustained them and has, and has uh, 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 just given them such peace. But you know what? <clears throat> we took comfort then and we take comfort now in the fact that he left this world and immediately he was ushered into the presence of the Lord. Man, what a thought. What a thought. I don't know. I don't remember all the circumstances of that day and that event. <clears throat> but if I remember correctly, it, Brother John, he woke up in heaven probably thinking, hey, <laughs> How would I get here? I was just driving a truck just a minute ago. But the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Hey, I'm, si- I'm simply here to remind all of us this isn't the end of the line. This life is just a warm-up for the life to come. And then to look ahead to the day when we'll, we'll see Brother John again in heaven. To look, at, to look forward to the day when, uh, when uh, uh, I see Job over here and some of the children and Robin over here. Hey, <clears throat> hey, he's in heaven. He's part of that great cloud of witnesses. And the Bible says when Jesus comes back at the rapture, we'll meet the, we'll meet the Lord in the air with those saints who, who have risen from the dead. Hey, I'm simply saying we take great comfort in that. It's a sure event. It's a sure event. Second Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 8, We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. Folks can deny it, but that doesn't change a thing. It doesn't change a thing. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am ye may be also. I'm simply saying, first of all, it is a sure event. It's going to happen. Mark her down. Number two, I want you to see this. It's a sudden event. It's a sudden event. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you have a Bible with you and you'd like to follow along, that'd be fine. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 51. I'll begin reading. Uh, the Bible says this. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I was in a church several years ago, and that verse hung over the nursery. Amen. We shall all be changed. <laughs> I, was, I was reminded <coughs> while Brother Brother Pauling was singing that song, beautiful song, by the way, wonderful song. I love that song. I come to the garden alone, but I, as he was singing that song, I was reminded of uh, Dr. Lee Robertson was telling the story about uh, he he came to. This has nothing to do with the sermon, by the way. Uh, he uh, he came to officiate the wedding of a of a couple who was going to tie the knot and uh, the. Uh, he was there waiting for the groom to show up. And he waited and he waited. He told the groom, look, be in my office 20 minutes till uh, start time of the wedding. Don't be late. And uh, 20 minutes till time for the wedding to start, no groom. 10 minutes till start of the wedding time, no groom. 5 minutes, no groom. Time for the wedding to start still, no groom. And uh, 10 minutes later, no groom. And uh, they, they, they tried to call him. This is obviously before the days of cell phones. Tried to call him, couldn't get up with him. And uh And, and there was no groom. And so uh, finally, he, uh, he told his assistant pastor, his song leader, he said, I want you to go out there. He said, we've got to stall. We've got to find out what's going on with this. And so go out there and, and lead the congregation at the wedding in a, in, in a hymn. He said, what do we sing? He said, I don't care. Just, he said, just sing a song. Just kill some time. And so the song leader went out to the auditorium, and he said, all right, folks, let's sing a hymn. And he sang that song, I Come to the Garden Alone. <laughs> I thought... Dr. Robertson said, man, what a choice of song. He really had, he was on his A game that day, wasn't he? <laughs> but, uh, but again, it had nothing to do with the message, but, I, but you look like you're, you're, you're leaving me, so I had to bring you back. But, uh, but it'll be a sudden event. The rapture of the church is blessed hope, a sudden event. He said in verse 51, 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Hey, he said it's a sudden event. It's going to happen quickly, in in a moment. Hey, look at the word shout there is the Greek word that means a military command. Same word that means a military command, a shout, a shout Hey, the Bible says that the angels in heaven don't even know when Jesus is coming back. But when the Father tells the Son, hey, go get your children. Hey, go get your bride. There's going to be a shout. Amen. And then notice the next word. <clears throat> For the trumpet shouts uh, uh, in the twinkling of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye. I heard Dr. Tom Williams preaching years ago, and he was talking about this twinkling of an eye. He said, now, a twinkling of an eye is pretty fast. He said, in fact, the, uh, the, the government... Uh, Your tax dollars at work, the government spent uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars trying to figure out what exactly was a twinkling, how fast was a twinkling, and they came up with this scientific formula that said a twinkling is one twenty-three thousandth of a second. Now, I don't know how you figure that out. One twenty-three thousandth of a second. He said, "That's pretty quick." He said, "A twinkling." He said, "If you want to see a twinkling," he said, "you'll have to you'll have to be watching for it." He said, "But if you want to see a twinkling, you look in the eyes (coughs) of a guy when he when he sees the girl that he wants to marry for the first time." He said, "You'll have to watch quick, but you'll see it. It's a twinkling of an eye. A twinkling of an eye. Hey, (coughs) how fast is a twinkling? I don't know, but it's pretty quick." He said, there's a shout, there's the voice of the archangel, there's the trump of God. He said, it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye, a sudden event, a sudden event. Not only that, not only is a sure event and a sudden event, but I want you to know, thirdly, it is a separating event, a separating event. You see, when Jesus comes again, there'll be a separation of those who are saved from those who are not saved. A separating event. When, hey, if Jesus were to come back today, there might be some folks taken from home and some folks left behind. There may, there may be, hey, if he came tomorrow while you're at work and you're saved, you'll be taken. The unsaved will be left behind. You see, those who are saved will meet the Lord in the air, according to the Thessalonians, and those who are not saved will be left behind. Left Behind a separating event. Oh, I, I can only imagine. I've seen the artist's rendition of of, uh, of the rapture and how that s- some folks are taken out of cars and some left behind, and there's there's car accidents and airplane crashes because cockpits are left open and and empty and void of a pilot and and, uh, and all kinds of things that are happening. Uh, you know, and I don't know what all that's going to be like when it actually happens, but I do know those who don't know Christ will be left behind. Those who are saved will be taken, taken out, raptured, taken away. Over in Song of Solomon, it talks about the fact uh, where, where it, 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 it typifies Christ and his church. And he says, rise, my beautiful love, and, and come away with me. That's a prophetic Old Testament prophecy about the, the New Testament event of the rapture. Hey, I'm simply saying it's going to be a separating event, a separating event. And then I want you to notice the last thing as we conclude the message this morning. It is a sobering event. A sure event, a separating event, oh yeah. A sudden event in the moment and twinkling of an eye, oh yeah. But above all those things, it's a sobering event. When we stop to think that Jesus really is coming again, I want you to notice we will first of all have an inward look of preparation. An inward look of preparation. preparation, You see, there's something about the doctrine of the second coming of Christ, about the doctrine of the rapture, that if we think about it, if we meditate upon it as Christians, it'll do something for us. It will cause us to want to prepare for it. You say, preacher, (coughs) but I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. Hey, that's a wonderful thing. By the way, that's that first step of preparation. We'll come back to that here in just a few moments. But as a child of God, if Jesus were to come back today... Would you be ready? Oh, preacher, I know I'm saved. I know I'm, hey, would you be anticipating his coming? I've said this before, but whenever mom and dad left the house and they left me a list of chores and and uh, and they left me with, with with a list of things to do, if he came back and I didn't have that list of things done, I wasn't really anticipating his return. In fact, I was dreading his return. <laughs> you talk about scurrying around, you know. When uh, when mom and dad come home and the kids uh, the teenage kids have been left with some things to get done oh man you talk about moving fast but you know what there won't be time to get ready he's coming back in a twinkling in a moment. Hey, I'm simply saying there is an inward look of preparation. Titus chapter 2 verse 12 as part of our text verse, our, our, our passage we read a while ago, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. You see, just before he talks about the blessed hope, he talks about how we ought to be living. How we ought to be conducting ourselves. He talks about denying ungodliness. He talks about denying worldly lusts. He talks about living soberly and righteously and godly. Hey, why? Because Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And because he's coming again, it ought to purify the way that I live. 1 John chapter 3. The rapture of the church, when we meditate upon it and apply the truth of it to our hearts, will change the way we live. Hey, if you knew that Jesus was coming back on a certain day this week, would it change what you did that day? Probably so. Hey, uh, if uh, if you knew that Jesus would come back a certain day, certain time, there's probably some TV programs you wouldn't watch during that time. Hey, if you knew that Jesus was coming back a certain day, certain time, you probably wouldn't pull up to the bar at that time, would you? I mean, would you really want Jesus to come back and find you sitting there? <laughs> uh... Hi. (laughs) no, hey, I'm simply saying it would change the way we live. It would change the way we behave ourselves. It would change our outlook. There would be that inward look of preparation, not just for the unsaved. Hey, for the unsaved, boy, you better get saved because Jesus is coming back at any moment. But for those of us who are saved, would it change how we live? I think so. There would be not just that inward look of preparation, but there'd also be an outward look of occupation. An outward look of occupation. Verse number 14. Look at it with me if you will. Titus chapter 2 verse 14. The Bible says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Notice the last phrase. Zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. Hey, the fact that Jesus is coming back will cause me to have that inward look of, of a, a, am I living right? Am I, am I living a holy, separated life? But also an outward look of occupation zealous of good works because jesus is coming back hey we need to get busy we need to get busy we need to tell other people about christ hey the fact that jesus is coming and it is a it is a sure event and it is a sudden event and it is a separating event i need to go find everybody i can and say hey let me let me give you the gospel let me tell you how you what the bible says how you can know for sure you're on your way to heaven hey we got to get busy why because there's that outward look of occupation. Jesus said to his disciples, occupy till I come. Hey, stay busy while I'm gone. I'm coming back one day and I'm going to receive you unto myself, but don't just sit there and twiddle your thumbs. (laughs) Don't just, don't just, uh, you know, go about doing your own thing. No, do something that's going to count for eternity while I'm gone. We've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of work to do. Why? Because Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Millions of people who have never heard the gospel. 1.2 million people in Oakland County, Michigan alone. That's staggering. 1.2 million people live in this county. I wonder how many of them have never one time heard the gospel. You know, we talk about missions and our responsibility to get the, word, to get the gospel around the world. And yes, that is our responsibility. Jesus said, go to all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He said in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, he said, start there in Jerusalem. And then he said, go to Judea and Samaria and then the uttermost part of the earth. Hey, hey, our Jerusalem is Oakland County. Our Jerusalem is this neighborhood. Our Jerusalem is Waterford, Michigan. Our Jerusalem is Pontiac. Our Jerusalem is White Lake and Clarkson. Hey, our Jerusalem is West Bloomfield. Hey, I'm simply saying we've got to get the gospel to this world, to this area, because Jesus is soon to. To return he's soon to return I said there's an there there should be an inward look of preparation because of the second coming there should be an outward look of occupation and then finally this morning there should be an upward look of consolation an upward look of consolation hey the thought that Jesus could come back at any moment the thought that before you even get home and sit down for Sunday dinner today there could be that shout that voice of the archangel, that trump of God, and the dead in Christ rise first, and we all go up to meet the the Lord with them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, that could happen before you get home this afternoon. And you know what? That thought, that blessed hope provokes us to holy living. That blessed hope reminds us to get busy. But I want you to see this as we close this morning. The blessed hope comforts our hearts. It comforts our hearts. The blessed hope encourages our spirits. Hey, the blessed hope uh, encourages me to look up. Hey, look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Look up. So many Christians today, man, their chin's dragging the ground. I mean, it's, I mean, they're, they're despondent, discouraged. And, and by the way, the devil wants you to be that way. He wants to render you ineffective however means necessary. And, and if he can get you discouraged, that, that, that's fine with him. Can I encourage you this morning? Look up. Because your redemption draweth nigh. Hey, preacher, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus went back to heaven. And as Jesus ascended up into heaven and taken away from his disciples that day in Acts chapter number one, uh, the angels came back and said, Look, this same Jesus that you've seen taken up from you shall so come in like manner. Uh, preacher, it's been 2,000 years ago. You know what that means? It's 2,000 years closer than it was then, it's closer than it was yesterday. It's closer than it was last Sunday. It's closer than it was on New Year's Day or last Christmas. Hey, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, and neither does anyone else. The Bible says the angels in heaven don't know, but his coming is closer than it ever has been, which means our redemption draweth nigh, which means one day and one day soon we're going to see Jesus face to face. Hey, whatever your trials are, whatever your heartaches are, whatever your problems are, whatever, however, however your burden is, whatever your load that you carried into the auditory this morning, whatever that may be, hey, Christian, take heart. Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. We take great comfort in the blessed hope. Now, there's another group of people in here this morning. When we start talking about the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ, and we specifically talk about people being separated At that time, because those who are saved are taken, and those who are not saved are left behind. Some of you might have got a little bit nervous there. Some of you might have said, Man, left behind? Are you kidding me? Jesus is coming, and there's going to be some people who are left behind. Who are those people? I'll tell you who they are: the people who don't know Christ as their Savior. The people who don't have the assurance in their heart that heaven is their home. The people who've not come to Christ by faith and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And I know I don't deserve heaven, but Jesus, would you come into my heart? Would you, w- would you please save me? I believe you died on the cross, and I believe you, you rose again from the dead for me. Jesus, I'm trusting you as my Savior. Those who have not done that, the Bible says, those are the, that's the crowd that's going to be left behind. I encourage you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't know him personally, if you don't know that heaven is your home, I challenge you. I challenge you to take heart and take heed to this truth of the blessed hope you say well preacher what happens if i'm left behind what happens well the bible talks about seven years of of tribulation seven years of, of horrible events here on the earth but wait a minute even worse than that the bible talks about eternity without god and without christ in a lake of fire that's i can't think of anything worse than that i can't think of anything worse than that that's the, that's the fate of those who don't know Christ as their Savior, the fate of those who reject Christ, the fate of those who trust in their works for salvation or trust in baptism for salvation or trust in anything other than Jesus Christ for salvation. It's eternity without God. Eternity in a lake of fire. Oh, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I challenge you. I, I plead with you. I beg you. Trust Christ. Trust Christ. Trust the Savior. If you're here this morning and you're saved, boy, let that blessed hope provoke you. Hey, let that blessed hope of the rapture encourage you. Hey, let it, uh, let, let it point you to a holy life. Let it cause you to make inventory or take inventory of your own standing with the Lord and how you're living. Let it change you. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, let this truth of the rapture, the second coming of Christ, let it provoke you to receive Christ and do it today. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.